Thanks for checking out the V1 Church podcast. You're about to listen to the first episode of our series, I Heart My Church. We truly believe that this message is going to help you on your personal faith journey. So enjoy the message, and we'll see you on the other side. (laughs) Come on, can we welcome everyone who's watching online right now? Come on, let's get loud for everyone who's watching online. We love you, our family, wherever you're at. You know, I had this crazy experience in Ukraine where we had a team that just got back from Ukraine, and uh, we were in the mountains, thousands of miles away, and we went to a Roma village for one of the largest Roma churches in this region. And when we walked in, the lead pastor's jaw dropped, and he was like, I can't believe it. It's the V1 crew. It's Mike. I watch him, and he's, he's telling this through the translator, and the translator is looking at me and the team like, who are these people? And I didn't even know that our live stream got that far. I didn't even know that they had internet service in that Roma village And the guy showed me his little avatar for a social. And sure enough, I was like, I do see you commenting all the time. And I don't know how you even found us, but, you know, every single week that our team sets up this gear, whether it's in the overflow, what's up to everyone in the overflow? I was in there. We got some people hanging out there. Or it's uh, in the live stream. It's just insane that God is giving people a, a virtual portal into what we do here in New York. And it's literally changing their lives and it was so humbling. But hey, I've got just a few more minutes to preach to you. Listen, my name is Mike Signorelli, and I'm the lead pastor here at V1 Church. And I, I just want to welcome all the guests. If you're here visiting, this was uh, one of those services that I believe God already did something in your life. Does anyone else believe that with me? Like, I, I just, here's the thing, man. People don't want religion and tradition anymore. Let's just be real. People want to have an encounter with the living God. And I'm just going to tell you straight up, you know, there's a lot about me that I violate literally my design so that I can move in my destiny. Can I just tell you, like, I'm not a people person by design? Like, I, and it's a little ironic that God would use me to plant two churches in the last two years here and seven or eight total in the last 10 years. And my design is that I get real sweaty and real nervous and don't like people. So if you're an introvert, welcome to my world. But don't let your design violate your destiny. Because God doesn't care what your excuse is, Moses. He's still got something for you to do. And I'm sick and tired of people making excuses. Well, you don't understand. My brain is all messed up and I'm medicated. Well, the cross is still enough. I don't care if I offended you. I can offend you right to heaven or I can comfort you right to hell. I am sick and tired of excuses. I'm preaching. I heart my church. And I know that. Watch this. Everyone say, I love my church. You know to your friends it just sounded like you said, I joined in a cult, right? You, you know that to your family members, they already think you're crazy for being here. But see, here's what's funny. Did you quit going to school because you had one bad teacher? Probably not. Did you just stop going to the doctor because somebody in the U.S. committed malpractice? Probably not. Did you stop eating food every day because one time you ate food that made you throw up? Probably not. But people have stopped going to church because they had some bad experiences, but that is not congruent with the way they act in any other domain. Can I submit to you today that it's evidence of spiritual warfare and there's something bigger at play? Yeah, see, the real saints slow clap that one in. Everyone else said, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm skeptical. I think I've got my own mind about you. Your mind is your, your greatest barrier. So why don't you open up to what God's got for you today? 
I'm about to preach you the hardest word you ever heard, and you are going to thank me for it because we need preachers who preach the word of God and preach it with authority. And I'm about to preach the most offensive series you can preach because in the Midwest, when you say, I love my church, the person in the grocery store you never met goes, I do too. I'm serious. That's where I'm from. Where I'm from, I get standing ovations every time I preach. I come to New York and we're like, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. You know what I'm saying? It's like we go to Ukraine, and I have to take pictures for 45 minutes after the service. People are getting healed and all this stuff, and then you come back to New York, and it's like, yeah, I guess I believe what that guy's saying. (laughs) But guess what? God's put a diamond in my forehead, and I can cut through any barrier obstacle, and he called me to this region, and I'm not stopping until it's Nassau Coliseum. Feeling mean today. (laughs) Because if you're taking notes, I helped you. I uploaded them into the V1 Church app. So if you go to the V1 Church app and you pull down your thumb and play that digital slot machine like you do on Instagram and Facebook that keeps you in there all the time wasting your life, if you go to the V1 Church app and pull your thumb down, you'll get a a reset and the notes will pop up for today with some fill-in-the-blanks because I used to be a high school teacher. And the first fill-in-the-blank is this. According to the Bible, church is necessary. Now that is a very offensive thing to say in America because people attend when they want to. They say things on Long Island like this. Well, you know, pastor, we're the church. Here's how I hear. Well, you know, pastor, I hate accountability. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that phrase more in my entire life until I got to Long Island. And I've reinterpreted that phrase to mean I don't want to be accountable. Now listen, there's freedom through accountability. Does anyone believe that? I mean, I used to be rogue. I'm Johnny Cash, y'all. I got June Carter, Julie herself, who helped me through all my vices and all my addictions and all my darkness. But guess what? The greatest freedom came in my life when I submitted to my pastor, Dave Gargano. Because you know what? How can you make the case that you submitted to the God that you can't see if you can't submit to the man that you do see? And that was one of the biggest lessons of my life. And so when I start talking about I love my church, I truly believe that this is one of the most offensive things that I can preach. I really, truly believe. Matter of fact, I just got back from uh, the country of Hungary. We were in Budapest and then we were in Ukraine. And do you know that I connected with a pastor of a 100,000 person church in Hungary? None of you in this room can even tell me the name of the church because it hasn't really reached the Western world. But I went to the service, it was four hours long, a midweek service with over 5,000 people crammed in because that's all they can fit. And I watched an 80-year-old man during every single praise song go like this and dance like crazy. And I watched thousands of people leaning in, worshiping for hours. When the preacher was preaching, they were all taking notes. I I literally told the guide that was with me, I said, I don't think I'm going to ever really see anything like this until I get to heaven. Why is it so intense? And he said, the first 13 years of this church's existence was under communism. It was illegal to do this. So we made an agreement that if we're going to do this, if we're going to do worship, worship's going to be good. If we're going to jail, we're going to make it worth it. And now they have this crazy culture where teenagers alongside of, um, you know, 20 somethings and 80 year olds are just going in for hours 
And, and I think that there's something about the church that pressure produces this greatness that comes out of it. And you know, one, one thing that I love so much about all of you is that there are people in this room right now that it is such an act of rebellion to even be here because of the traditions and the religions that they come from in their family, that we have stories of this church growing by virtue of people dismissing their whole family to be here. This is serious. So if you're like judging people's worship, well, guess what? You don't know their warfare. Oh, I can't believe they worship like that. Well, yeah, they had to say goodbye to their whole family to do it. Can you give them some respect? You might as well enjoy the presence of God if you don't have the presence of your family. We've got people who have literally abandoned their family to be here right now. This is, this is the real gospel. It's this subversive, countercultural, dangerous thing. And it's so dangerous that when you start intermingling with it and coming to a church to visit, your friends and every demonic force in them will be triggered to stop you from getting here. Why? Because there's power wherever there's great perversion. There's power wherever there's great perversion. See, when a man and a woman have sex, that can produce life. There's power in that act. So guess where there's going to be a great measure of perversion? In the arena of sexuality. See, the church, when we come together in unity, there is a tremendous capacity for power, which is why you find so much perversion. But just because you haven't had the real thing doesn't mean it doesn't exist, y'all. Now listen, when you go to Ukraine, you're going to eat some food that's real. Now I know that we're like after the Matrix, Neo, all of our food is fabricated here in the U.S. <laughs> Plastic, right? But in Ukraine... You know, we eat stuff out there that grew in the yard that we're eating in, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, there are people that can actually eat, that, that have gluten allergies in the U.S. that can actually eat gluten in Israel because of Israel's standards for gluten. Did you know that? So what happens is sometimes you incrementally get so far away from the original design of something that you haven't ever even experienced it before. You can eat so much wonder bread that you don't even know what real bread is. You can have so many like genetically modified fruits that you probably, you probably should just be eating Starburst. <laughs> and so what happens is the church, somebody who loves Starburst just got delivered, praise God. I knew I was getting released. But what happens is the church can incrementally change so much over the last 2,000 years that you've been to church your whole life, but you've never been to church. And that's what I'm talking about today. Can I take you back to when gluten was still gluten? <laughs> can I show you what the first church looked like so we can get a little bit of that going around in here? Acts chapter 1, we're going to dive into the book of Acts through this entire series. Acts chapter 1 actually, uh, you know, says like this. It says, uh, we're going to be looking at chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. I'm going to set the context for you first, though. I love this so much. I love Jesus. Jesus was ornery, man. Jesus was ornery. He messed with people. I like Jesus. Jesus messed with people. I'm just saying, when I read the scriptures now, I'm like, Jesus, I like you, man. So Jesus, the resurrected king, comes back, does this about 40-day tour. We're just walking around in everyday life is sort of his way of saying, uh, it happened like I said it was going to happen. Hey, remember me? What up? What up? Hey. <laughs> hey. Hey. 
You ever do that? When I reconcile with Julie, that's how all my family reunions were. Hey, remember me? <laughs> God's grace is sufficient. Hey, <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> so Jesus comes back. This is what I'm saying. 40 days. Why did he hang out for 40 days? It was just a victory tour. It was like he had the Stanley Cup, and he was just filling it with Jesus brew, just walking around, just telling everyone, like, it's that real. Muhammad's not about to do this, but I did. Buddha's not about to do this, but I did. Yo, it's real. Then after 40 days, a little somewhere around there, the Bible gives account, Acts chapter 1, that the disciples who are now apostles, he, he basically breaks the news and I'm like, listen, I'm going to ascend. I'm going up, but I got a plan. See, because ministry isn't for having, ministry is for giving away. See, if you want to have a business, your business already failed. Business is for giving away. See, if you want to have a ministry, your ministry already failed. Ministries for giving away. See, that's why when Christina, who plays the keys here, goes to Ukraine, she's not a keys player. She's got the same authority to cast out demons, heal the sick, and raise the dead that I do. That's why a deaf ear opened, because ministries for giving away. So Jesus says, I'm going to give ministry away to you, and then this, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and it's better that I go. Because I can only be in one place at one time. And even though you might like that, like, hey, look at the YouTube live stream of Jesus. See, he's right there. I, I, I can prove he's real. That's what we want. But Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, his sovereign wisdom, says, hey, I got a better plan. I'm actually leaving. And then you're going to have the Holy Spirit. After the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power. And the Greek word for power is dunamos, which means dynamite, explosive power. And it says you're going to have explosive power to be my witnesses and tell people locally, regionally, nationally, and all the way in Ukraine that Jesus is real. And it's still happening. And then all of a sudden he ascended to heaven. Now, what I love about this account is as he goes to heaven, now he does the mic drop of all mic drops. Jesus literally says, I'm not doing the ministry. You're going to do it. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're going to do, do it. See, the world's like, where's Jesus? He's inside of me. I'm going to get this thing done. When I talk, he gave me authority as if it was him talking. When I tell cancer to die in Jesus' name, it's not my power. I'm using his authority to do it because he's in me. And that's the thing that Christians miss. And this is point number one, if you're taking notes. The church isn't a building. The church is in a building. People are still confused. Why do you use a movie theater? They just think I love movies. <laughs> it's like you're not understanding the point is that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. And so stained glass windows, they're not majestic enough to contain the presence of God. Jesus didn't die for those windows. He died to redeem your body so that you could be the sanctuary of the Lord, so that he can inhabit you. And wherever you go, the church goes. It was a better plan. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Remember that? Pure and holy tried and true with thanksgiving i'll be a living sanctuary that's the plan that's the plan see the venue he already found the venue two thousand years ago in a movie theater the venue is you and he ain't renting it he paid the full price with this blood so that he can dwell inside of you. The venue is you. Tell your neighbor, the venue is you. 
Now, can I move on? Can I move on? Is somebody getting free? The venue is you. So people ask the question all the time, why does the church exist? And it is necessary. The church is necessary. Why is it necessary? Well, we're going to tell you why. Number one is this, for the exaltation of God. For the exaltation of God. Now, the Bible says that you cannot have two masters. You will either love the one and hate the other. It's impossible to split your affinity to two gods. You will only have one. And so what happens is most of your life, you spend glorifying and exalting your problems, your past, the shame of your past, the impossibilities, and you use your words to exalt those things. So when we come together in worship, what makes this so powerful is you're surrounded by people who say, we are here for the exaltation of God. And what happens is when you lift him up, you cannot lift up two things at the same time. The Bible says that salt water and spring water cannot come out of the same, the same fountain. So what that means is when you begin to exalt God, by virtue of doing that, you bring down everything else. That's why you start feeling what you feel in worship here is the exaltation exaltation of God. But if you go back to Acts chapter one and Acts chapter one, after Jesus did the mic drop moment and said, I'm going to do it through you and ascended to heaven. And I think this is such a picture and a window into the very nature of humanity. All of a sudden it says they're stuck in this position. There's a lot of prophetic worshipers stuck in this position too. There's a lot of Christians stuck in this position too. Because what happens is in the exaltation of God, because Jesus ascended to heaven in the exaltation of God, you can get stuck in this spot where you're always looking to the sky. Acts chapter 1 says that he had to actually send angelic intervention. An angel had to show up and say, yo, guys, stop looking to the sky. He told you he was going to use you to do it. Now go. And I'm here to tell you, here's your angelic. My wife calls me an angel. <laughs> here's your angelic intervention. Don't be stuck in this posture. You're going to miss the fullness of what your call is. Worship is a place that you go, but you don't stay. Because there's sometimes you got to leave that place of the feel good and go get yourself dirty preaching the gospel. Because the next thing is this. Number two, it's the edification of believers. Outward, outward. It's like you come back to this place. Now, whatever you do in access, your children will do in moderation. Whatever you do in moderation, your children won't do at all. And what happens is if you make this place something that you sometimes do, they'll make it something they never do. Mark my words. I've been in the game too long for you to convince me of anything else. There's something inside of my children that was birthed when I gave everything away to, to, to birth this church. And it's a holy thing inside of them. I see it in operation already at five years old, at 12 years old. They're not perfect. Don't put them on the pedestal. We know PK's kids can have some problems. <laughs> but what I do want to say is this. The Bible doesn't call you to lukewarmness. It calls you to a flame. It calls you to a flame. It doesn't give you the option to not care. It doesn't give you the option to just not feel like it. As a matter of fact, when it starts to dwindle, the command that you got through the epistle was fan that flame until it gets hotter. Sometimes you've got to fan the flame. 
edification of the believers. And the last one is this, the evangelization of the world. Man, I love a, a long worship service, but you know what I love more? Uh, about 9 million people here who don't know Jesus that are accepting Jesus every single week when we get on with it and preach the gospel. Don't ever let your preferences get in the way of God's purposes. A lot of people, oh man, the church is all right, but it doesn't meet all my preferences. Well, guess what? You don't meet all of God's. Oh, I, I would go to that church, but I don't like this, 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 and this, and this. Listen, only a culture that doesn't understand marriage wouldn't understand the church. The most significant analogy that we get in scripture is between Christ and his bride. And we got a lot of bride shaming happening. You all heard of fat shaming? You all heard of, but you, have you heard of bride shaming? Bride bashing. I've got something in me right now, man. I'll tell you what, when the keyboard warriors fire up on social media and start calling out the American church, I'm like, you're an American who goes to church. Are you stupid? You are the American church. But the American church is a phrase that never shows up in scripture. It says you're no longer Jew nor Gentile. You're no longer slave nor free. You're no longer circumcised or uncircumcised. You're just the church. Why would you do that? I tell couples who are arguing with their spouse, every time you argue with her, you're arguing with yourself. Every time you hurt her, you're hurting yourself. Why would you punch yourself in the face? So when people start criticizing the local church, I'm like, you don't understand marriage. Because as my understanding of the covenantal relationship of marriage increased, so did my respect and honor for the bride. For the bride. For the bride. Even Satan is unified in his work against you. How can we let Satan and his forces have more unity than us? Even he has an agenda that mobilizes. Even when legions was cast out, legions is a Roman term for a hierarchical system. It means that even Satan organizes himself with unity against you. Why can't we have a unity greater than that? And I told you this word was going to be hard. Come on now. But I think that what I'm looking at is this, Acts chapter 1. I want to take you back to the original church before we close it out. Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 14 says, they're in the Mount of Olives. All of a sudden, they, they return to Jerusalem and then they go to the upper room where they had been meeting, okay? So this is what they did. The first thing they did after Jesus ascended was they found a venue and they started meeting in that place. Then it says this in verse 14, they agreed that they were in this for good completely together in prayer. So, they, so the first thing they did was they found a venue and they begin to meet. The second thing that they did is they confessed their commitment to each other. They said, and I love the way that the message translation gives it in modern English. It says, we are in this for good together. See, if you have a plan B for your marriage, your marriage will always end up in that plan B. Oh, you don't want to hear me today, church. If you have a plan B, that plan B will always happen. Mark my words. If you have a plan B for your business, the plan B will always happen. The only way to accomplish plan A is to not have any other plans. You see this. And what happens is the early church is looking around. They're like, okay, we don't have Jesus anymore. He ascended. We don't quite yet have the Holy Spirit. But what do we have? We have each other and we have a place to meet. And they look at each other and say, we're in this for good. 
We're not going anywhere. I'm not leaving. You can't get rid of me. And then the other person says, well, you, I can't get rid of you, but you can't get rid of me. We're in this for good. They confess their commitment to each other. Then in Acts chapter 2, it says this, when the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together. Somebody say all. They were all together. They didn't say some people stayed home that day. It didn't say that some people just had some other stuff going. Do you know that I've had to write letters to, to liter, literally governmental agencies like the post office, the United States Post Office, to get people released from work schedules so they can show up for church? Now, you do that for any, you deny any other religion in New York the ability to meet and exercise their belief. And what's going to happen? But they feel that they can do it to Christians because we gave them permission. I'm fighting for this. I went to a 100,000-person church in Hungary that their first 13 years of existence was under communism, and I saw the deep and profound appreciation that they had for being with each other because they knew the cost. They just knew some of it. I pray that God would open our eyes here at V1 that we can see some of the cost and how precious it is to be surrounded by all these imperfect people because they're the bride. And then it says this, they're together in one place, and then without warning, there's this sound like a wildfire that begin to move through. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is released and sustained by those who are submitted and committed to each other in one place. That's how it happens. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world, and when they heard the sound, they came on the run, and they're speaking our languages describing the mighty works of God. So here's the original church. I'm recapping and then we're done. The original church found a venue, met together regularly, confessed their commitment to each other, came together and started to pray. Matter of fact, first you give an account of only the 11 apostles because Jesus didn't understand that the grace was so scandalous that he could even be saved on the other side of, of what he did. And you have the 11 apostles, and then you have, the, and then it grows to over 120, including women. Praise God for the Bible breaking patriarchal paradigms. And then, it, and then they find this venue, they confess their commitment to each other, then they begin to pray, then the Holy Spirit's released. And when people come running to hear, what are they saying? What's the noise? When they get close enough, they hear each one declaring the mighty works of God. Now, 2,000 years later, here's what happens. We find a venue. We go or don't go based on our feeling, our schedule, what's going on. Then all of a sudden, we loosely commit until something uh, comes along that's better or meets our preferences more. Then the Holy Spirit's not released because it weirdes, weirds us out and we're afraid it's going to freak our friends out. Then, after all that's said and done, when people get close enough to hear the noise, what they hear is us critiquing and complaining about the leaders and the church and the people sitting in the pews. Not here. Not here. Not here. I want the kind of church that if Peter the Apostle walked down that aisle right now would say, Woo! I don't know what they're saying. I don't understand this language, but this place is familiar. This feels like Acts chapter 1 and 2 in this place. These people got vision for something. The Holy Spirit's at work in their midst. Can you stand on your feet with me? I told you this message is going to be scandalous. But when you stand before God Almighty, and the Bible says, pray without ceasing. 
and you say, God, how can I pray without ceasing? And God says you breathed without ceasing the whole time. You thought incessantly and worried without ceasing. You can worry without ceasing, but you couldn't pray without ceasing. But prayer is essential. Then all of a sudden, we hear the words of Jesus say, I will not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of my Father. Scripture is essential. Scripture is essential. We need that. But then I'm going to take it a step further. and It says, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. And even as the time grows closer, do it more. Do it more. Don't forsake it. Why? So you can hear a preacher on a stage? No. Never underestimate the power of your presence in that seat. Breaking chains off of somebody when you hug them. Breaking chains off of somebody when you smile at them. Breaking off chains because they look at the color of your skin and say, if this place is a place of unity, I could be here too. You are necessary. When it says church is necessary, it doesn't mean a program. It means you're necessary. If you're the venue that he paid his, the price to inhabit, that means you are necessary. Yes, you. Yes, you. Yes, you. You're necessary. And V1's not the kind of place that will use you based on what you can do for us. Am I right, worship team? We'll put your instrument in a backtrack. We'll put a CD on and worship like we were in Nassau Coliseum already. We don't have to be here. We get to be here. What a great privilege to be surrounded. But the last thing I wanted to say is this, and there's so much more, but this series is just getting started. And I believe that we're going to tip into this new season for this church. I just feel such an anticipation for what God's doing. You know, when we were in the pre-launch phase of this church, we hadn't even had our first service yet, but the word was kind of spreading because I was all over Facebook and putting out videos and just trying to saturate this area with just God is bringing a life-giving church. Life's going to be forever changed. Come on, get with it. And somehow as the word spread, this couple, Chris and Heather Wrigley, heard, heard about it. And what happened was I got a message and they said, hey, can we meet with you? Now, at that point, we hadn't raised up other leaders and trained them. 100% of everything was done through me and Julie. So I said, listen, I got 600 square feet of glory here in Queens. If you want to hang out with me, you guys can come on by because our church is 18 people right now. And, uh, you know, like we ain't got nothing better to do. We haven't even had our first service yet. Come on by. And I, I was just like, hey, Jules, this couple's coming over. We're going to hang with them. And she said, all right, cool. So they come in and we start talking. Well, before our meeting's over, I'm just giving the vision of the church, the mission, the heart behind it. Heather cuts me off. And she's like, we're in, we're in. I'm like, wait, 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 hold on. And I remember, I never forget, I, I asked her, I said, Heather, don't you want to attend a service first? And she's like, no, no, I heard everything I need to hear. I've been there. They're going to sing. You guys are going to sing some songs. You'll preach, whatever. I'm in though. I'm in. And I was like, you can commit to a church before you attend it? But she had just picked up on my heart and the vision for this house and the mission and what we were about. And she said, I'm in. So then she attended service and, you know, obviously they continued to get involved. Well, there came a point months later where they got into some trouble in their marriage and things were just like all hell was breaking loose against them. And I'll never forget sitting down for a meeting and we were at Starbucks where all emotional meetings happen. Makeups, breakups, marriages. If you're single right now and you want to get married, just stay at Starbucks long enough. Somebody's going to break up with someone and they're going to be waiting for you. 
So we're at Starbucks because we have no church offices. We have nothing. So I'm like, we're just going to do this at Starbucks. So we're at Starbucks and they're crying and they're pouring out their heart. And now listen, 100% of people can see the problem. Your value is in, can you see the solution? Okay? Seeing the problem makes you normal. It doesn't make you a genius. Okay? And so when we were in that meeting, I was like, okay, Heather, we see the problem. We see, but I want you to speak in faith. What do you see as possible? What's the dream that, that violates everything that the devil's trying to say in this situation? What's the thing for your marriage? What's the thing for you as a couple that just is so audacious and so bold that it just straight up spits in the devil's face while he's spewing his lies to you? And she, I remember she, she's like, Pastor Mike, I believe by faith, but I can't see it. I believe that we're going to be doing missions one day, and I believe that Chris is going to be next to me and we're going to be ministering together. I, I can't see it, Pastor Mike, but I believe it. I, I do. I really want to believe it, but it looks so bad, Pastor Mike. Well, do you know that two weeks ago, all of a sudden we get on the airplane and I look some rows over and who do I see but Chris and Heather sitting in that seat. And all of a sudden Chris is going V1 to go to Ushkarat, to go to Ukraine. But it gets better. It gets better because anyone can go on a, a trip, right? But what happened was we get to Ukraine, and all of a sudden this supernatural boldness comes over Chris. Chris starts declaring and speaking his story. He said, I used to be addicted, but now I'm free. If God can do it for me, he's going to do it for you, Ukraine. People are crying. I preached the service. I couldn't even get uh, to somebody to pray. I'm like, who's going to pray for these people? From behind me, Chris puts the guitar down, comes over. He grabs a translator, starts speaking in this girl's life. She's crying. I'm like, who is this madman? I look over to Heather. Heather has the most disgusting look of romance in her eyes. She's like literally going like this, watching Chris falling in love with this man that nobody even has met yet here because what happened was this. Chris and Heather, they committed to V1. They kept showing up. And days turned to weeks, weeks turned to months, months turned to years. And the thing that she couldn't quite see, she saw with her natural eyes. And that's what church is. It's all of you borrowing each other's eyes to see the thing that you don't have the faith to see sometimes. And I, I mean, I, I just want to brag on him because a boldness came out of Chris like I've never seen. And all of a sudden, we get into this pastor's meeting. It's a pastor's meeting that I pulled together, the most influential pastors of this whole region. And as we're all there, we had a traditional Bandora player, they're called. And when they were done, the pastors were like stirred up. And they're like, can we worship? We, we want to worship. And I said, Chris, what can you do? Chris brings out his guitar. He says, the Holy Spirit told me this was going to happen. I'm already ready. I'm like, what? He sits down. I've got this on video. He's like, pastors. I want to tell you what God gave me for you. God is not done with this city. God is not done with Ushgarad. God is not done with you. There's more to be done. There's greater things to be done. And he's declared, and he starts singing out, he's the God of this city. And it was incredible. Why do I say that? I say that because it happens when you are submitted and committed and days turn to weeks, weeks turn to months, months turn to year, and then it manifests in reality. And the local church is God's plan A. He doesn't, Jesus only started one organization. One. 
the local church. And when we say, God, I want to do it right. Humbly, God, I want to get this thing right. All of a sudden, he begins to channel his power through these broken vessels. And that's the true miracle of the local church. It's how you can put together all this brokenness and, one, and make one whole bride. That's the beauty. Would you close your eyes? If you're here today and you're saying, man, I, I don't know that I've ever been a part of anything like this. I can say to you, Pastor Mike, that I've accepted the religions and traditions of my parents and my families and I've, I go punch my card on Easter and Christmas. I don't know that I even know God. I don't know Jesus. I don't know, I don't know that I've ever been a part of a church or been the church. And you feel the Holy Spirit drawing you. Would you just lift your hand and say, that's me. I want to accept Jesus today. Come on. You can put your hands down. Now, church, I want you to say this words, these words with me. Borrow my words. But before you do, What's going to happen is Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, confess with your mouth because your power has the, 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 literally, your tongue has the power of life and death. So when you begin to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. So there are people who are going to pray this prayer right now and instantly the Holy Spirit is going to come and dwell inside of them and then the church just grew. And in the early church, it said that they added to their numbers daily, which means they weren't waiting for Sunday to be about it. And I believe we're going to leave this place and go into a mission field and lead some people to Jesus this week. Does anyone believe that? Can we lead more people to Jesus Monday through Saturday than we do right now? I'm telling you, if you feel like you've been in a funk, there's some people you feel like you've been in a funk. You feel like, I don't know, I feel so blah. I dare you to get out there if you've been a believer and start ministering Christ to people and you will instantly come out of that and you'll, you'll access that power that's in Acts 1-8. So right now we're going to pray. We're going to cross over. Some people are crossing over from death to life. And then I'm going to ask you a very special thing, though, before we pray. My prayer. The Bible says that first they were 12, 11 plus some women. And you, you read that in Acts chapter 1. And then it says there was 120. Then Peter prayed this crazy sermon. And then they became thousands. And what happens is when they declared and use their words, it was attractional. And I believe that healthy things grow. Do you guys believe that? Healthy things grow. Sometimes churches grow because they're just entertainment. But sometimes, just sometimes, churches grow because people are hearing the message of Jesus and the dead are coming back to life. So I believe, I wanna fill every single one of these seats next week, even to where it's awkward to do worship because we're out of seats. I want to fill all this. I just, I believe that as we continue this series, that God is going to do some crazy miracles in your midst. Does anyone else believe that? And it's not about filling seats, but each seat represents a life. I was one of those people, man. And I needed this so desperately. Just real quick, wave your hand if you needed this so desperately. Is there anyone else like me that like you needed this? Come on. So let's extend that opportunity to other people. Let's fill the overflow. Let's get more people watching online next week because God's just going to build his church. The Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Now, they will prevail against all your false dreams and all your false assignments, but not the church. So what I want you to begin to do this next week is pray that God would reveal to you 
more about what he's called you to do to build the church. Amen? So use these words. Everyone say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the cross where my sins are forgiven, where my past is forgotten, where my future is secured. I thank you that your blood has redeemed me. And I give you glory and honor for what you're going to do through my life. And I thank you for the church and who I'm surrounded by now. And I thank you that the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name. Now can somebody just shout amen? Come on, let's lift it up. Thanks again for listening. If this message impacted you, do us a favor and share it on your social media or send it directly to someone who you know needs to hear this message. We'll see you next time.